Welcome to Cannons, Snakes, and the Olympico. Um, Ryan's not with us this week. He didn't want to come on um, because of Thanksgiving. Um, so me and Danielle are going to talk about Syria. I actually have no idea how we're going to do this. We, we have no sort of plan. We're just going to talk about the games and, and see where it goes. How's it going, Danielle? Oh, you know, it's going. I'm like, if you wanted me to, I would have done the introduction that we're in. I would not have screwed up. That's all right. I just, I just, I, the call came in and I, and I stuttered. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. All right. So, um, I mean, I, I guess I think, I think this, your situation is uh, the best place to start here. Um, it, based on the season you've had, this has been a weekly topic every single time we've done this. Um, so it's not, it's not necessarily new information, but, um, uh, beat Torino, but, uh, it's like the worst way to win a game where you, um, you win, but you played like shit, excuse my language. You play like shit. So it's like, uh, 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 sort of insecurity about, uh, the points, but, um, uh, what if, what did you think of the game, and how, how were you feeling afterwards? Well, I'm happy we have the points, but overall, this match was a fiasco from start to finish. To be honest, if it wasn't for those two assists from Lukaku and those two goals, this match, and if T- Lukaku was still out on that injury, Torino hands down, would have won this match. Because without Lukaku, Inter are absolute trash. I mean, I mean, this up on Wednesday, we're going into the Champions League again against a weekend Real Madrid team. Since Lukaku is back, there should be no issue. But if he was still out, we could be looking at another loss, but with the amount of pieces that Real Madrid have out, it it would have been a more close-up match, in my opinion, but we're talking about this week's, but Chirino, obviously, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust a Grammar League type thing. They manhandled Inter for the, in the first half. I mean, yeah, Inter had, like, five chances. But here's the thing with those chances. None of them were on target. So it's like you're looking at the ch- chances, but if there's none on target, that means you're missing a good opportunity to score. So, in my opinion, defense was weak. I mean, Torino's defense did a really good job keeping Inter scoreless in the first half where they were able to capitalize on one of their scoring opportunities. Which is hilarious because they have the worst defense in the whole league. Exactly. (laughs) That is the scary thing. I mean, you have Inter, who is supposed to have all these pieces and all this, that, and be competing for a title, but they're putting up performances like that. Really? The way we won it was terrible. There was, the, like I said, if it wasn't for Lukaku, Torino would have won, no, ma- no matter what. And hey. go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to wait for you to finish your thought. 
But yeah, I'm just sick and tired of seeing this garbage weekend and waked out. It's just one of those situations that I'm like sitting here. Oh, let's wait for next week. Let's hope for something better. But then they let you down yet again. Yeah, and the crazy thing about Torino is they didn't have Bellotti. I I'm not sure. I don't think he played a minute. He didn't come on, did he? I don't think so. So you have a guy who's uh, Torino has scored 14 goals. Bellotti has six of them. And without him, they managed to score twice. Um, I understand that one was a penalty. Um, but still, I mean, that has to be uh, disheartening based on the fact that uh, it's, I love Torino and I would like them not to be relegated, but they're just not very good. They're not well coached. They don't, they're not organized. Um, it, it just, it just felt like to a certain extent that um, Torino, uh, not Torino, Inter kind of dug their own grave in terms of, you know, that sort of mentality of trying to, you know, I, I just don't understand how this could happen. Torino are terrible and, and they made, you know, you made them look a lot better than they are. After that performance, I bet Torino's looking forward to the rest of the season thinking if, if we can play like that against Inter, then we can get points along the way in sort of the other games. Right. And the thing that is really concerning is we have – I'm not even saying it. We all know one of the other areas that has been terrible. Um, but it's like the attack is the only one doing anything. And it's like, even like Martinez, your midfield is supposed to be the ones that are servicing you, not you servicing other players. So he's taking on like two roles because the midfield is struggling to step up. With the exception of one player, obviously Barella goes into that into matches. And I actually feel bad that he's stuck with the, the terrible midfield. Because he has been phenomenal all season. I mean, if things do not change, it's just going to be terrible to, for into this season. You feel bad for him now, but, uh, I mean, based on what's happening, it seems like he may not be stuck with this midfield for long. Um, I mean, I don't want to bring – I didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't intending to bring this up now, but since you brought it up, um, like the thing with, with Barella is he's kind of the thing. He's the glue that keeps his team together. Um, obviously Lukaku and Martinez are the two best players on that team. Um, but you could, you could even argue that, that, uh, Barella kind of, because kind of orchestrates things in a, in a deeper way, because, uh, you know, Barella with if, my, him out of that lineup, you're not creating like look. He creates enough, and he 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 provides a little security for the back line. But he also um, he but he provides something that Lukaku and Martinez don't. And if uh, that removed from that team, you're, there's going to be no service whatsoever from anyone outside of basically playing one on one, <laughs> because that's essentially what Lukaku and Martinez would have to do without the minimal service and the service isn't good. I mean, this team is a disaster, but I mean, and I don't know how concrete the, the, this report is, but what what's being reported is that, um, and this was a few weeks ago, so I don't know if it's still fresh, but um, so Atletico Madrid, Manchester United, 
Arsenal, Liverpool, and um, I think Man City and Barcelona. All those teams are interested in, in um, going in for Barella this summer. And at this point, outside of outside of Barcelona, because I think Barcelona is in a horrible situation, so go making a move like that wouldn't make sense for him. But if you just think of the teams I just listed, outside of maybe Man United, Arsenal, and Barcelona, like Atletico Madrid and Liverpool, they got – I mean <laughs> – I know we're not supposed to swear on this, but they got fuck you money. You know what I mean? Right. They have, stup- they have stupid money. Look, Barcelona has the money, but it's not as enticing to go there now. Man United has the money, but again, why did Jaden Sancho not go? Uh, he, they didn't meet the asking price for, for him this season, but I don't think he would have gone anyways. That's just my opinion. But you think about Liverpool and Atletico Madrid and – the thing is, he's he's going to be expensive regardless. But if you just think of that team without him involved in it, it's just I just don't know where they're going. It's like okay, yes, they got they got they got a good amount of points right now. Um, you're currently in uh, fifth place, um, fifteen points, only five points from the top. So I, I I don't necessarily think it's dead in the in the in the title race. But they're not one of the teams that are being mentioned right now, and they're not even broaching the subject. We have teams like Sassuolo and Roma who are both playing at an incredible level right now, and they are playing better. And in my opinion, if they if they, if Inter went and played those teams right now, I think they would lose. But again, you have the the, the weapons that they don't. You know what I mean? Right. If Roma had Lukaku at, or Martinez or Swallow had Lukaku Martinez. They would win the league because all of the rest of their team is more or less kind of solidified. So how concerned are you with Barella's situation? There's nothing about what he – he hasn't said anything that he's going to leave. But, again, a lot of people haven't done the same thing and have decided to to leave or not leave because this summer you're potentially looking at Martinez – the Barcelona Martinez thing is dead. I, I don't think that will happen. But if if Man City is interested, that's a problem. And and then you look at uh, Barella going to one of these other teams. I think Liverpool and Atletico Madrid obviously have the most enticing value about him. That's a player that could leave. Handanovic is getting older. The back line seems to be a serious issue. I mean, there's so many things and. I know that they're, they're Inter will probably try to strengthen. Um, and the, the one you want, you're, I mean, uh, in all honesty, you're probably not going to get – Lazio is not going to sell Savage to Inter. If they sell him, they'll probably sell him over, over broad. He doesn't – they don't want to sell him to a team that can hurt him later. So it's just like this whole team seems to be um, kind of collapsing. But how concerned are you with the, the – the, uh, I guess the ongoing future of this team. And I know I don't want to think too far in advance because it is just eight games in, but based on everything, h- how do you feel about sort of all this stuff that's going on right now? I'm terrified. It's just like one fiasco after another. And he, every year, We've heard of, like, oh, we're going through a rebuilding season. Oh, we're going through another rebuilding season. You know what? We have more rebuilds than shouting out one of my guys from Arsenal Fan TV. 
We have more rebuilds than bloody Robocop. That's how bad, how many times we've heard we're rebuilding this team. But to what about? That's, yeah, we secured Champions League spot. Yeah, big whoop. We're, we need to be competing for a title. I'm, thing is, you can all, they can, the board, the players, this and the other thing that says, oh, we're going to win a title, we're going to win a title, but well, put your money where your mouth is, because at this point, I don't see us winning another a title for maybe, maybe three, four seasons, maybe at shortest, but the longest, maybe seven, until we can get these concrete players and we and we get people who are knowing what they're doing. It's just going to be a long road ahead. The difficult thing that I I have with Inter is the like obvious. I'm going to ask you what you think your, the biggest problem is, and I, I'm pretty sure our answers will be different because we've talked about this before. But um, look, it, you think let's 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 talk about the two teams I just mentioned briefly, and we'll get onto the rest of the games. So but I just want to focus on this just just for a minute here. Um, so Sassuolo has uh, Berardi um, and Locatelli in the midfield. Uh, Roma has a midfield of Lorenzo Pellegrini, Jordan Veratu, um, Diawara, and others. Uh, and then you have guys who've, who've come in off the bench and have helped there. If you had either one of those midfields, and I'm not asked like again, if you if you had one of the these midfield or midfield options like that. You'd win the league because everything, even even if there's other aspects of this team that's not working, um, it's just like it seems like you're just missing some component to take you there. Because look, if you had one of those midfielders, if if you had Locatelli and you had Pellegrini, if you just had one of them with Barella, game over. And the whole summer you tried to get one guy. And you swung and missed because you became desperate after Tonali went to AC Milan. So wh- what do you feel about this current, I guess, midfield fiasco? And what's the best approach? And obviously, you don't have control of what's going to happen. But what is the best approach short term to try to deal with this situation? First and foremost, I mean, I know we have the we, it's like we have the money to do at least something in the January transfer window. I mean, we have the cash right there available to us. We need to figure out who would be the best suited to join our midfield, who is solid and who can bring that it factor, I'm going to call it. Like something that – give it that other dimension that is currently lacking – with what we have right now. I mean, there are a couple players that I th- I'm currently thinking of, but I know it's, of course, Savage was one of them, but obviously lots yeah, of are not going to sell. They, no, they, they could sell. They're not selling. They're not going to sell him midseason because, look, Lazio won this weekend. They're still struggling. They're not a great team this season, and I think we're both on the same page. We don't see them being a great team this season. And I know they're, they have 14 points, but – they're just not the same team we saw last season, and that's just the facts of the situation. So given their term, turmoil, I'm not going to say turmoil because there are some ni- positive things that you've seen from Lazio. Um, but, again, 3-0 to Sampdoria. In that current situation and this Mercato, you can't be selling off Savage or Luis Alberto. 
or a Mobley. Those three are going to be there under every any circumstances. They're going to be there because th- this team is not going to be able to survive in the midfield without. And I, and I know they have better midfielders than you do, but so does most of the teams in this league. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. Anyway, continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. No worries. Um, it's just like if we figure out that one player that we could that we know would definitely be willing to leave in January and a club that will actually do business with us. I think we have to find somebody at least in the January transfer window. I don't know who at the top of my head, but it has to be done because unless we find someone to be come be a part of that, give us that quality, it's just going to go downhill from here. I mean, yeah, we'll probably be in the title race, but we won't win it. I actually like it's it's a weird one because you could theoretically not be in the title race because again this thing with the the title race I think a lot of people just throw teams in it last season there was really only two teams in it it was Lazio and Juventus it wasn't Inter you were kind of in it at the beginning but you fell out it wasn't not, you know it was none of these teams was really really challenging that title. A title race to me is teams who actually can theoretically and in actuality win the title. And uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to reveal mine so far. And it's eight games. When we get to ten games, we'll see what happens. There's a big game this weekend that will determine a lot of things for for two clubs. But in my opinion, at this point, and I think Sus- I think Sassuolo can kind of I think they'll stay afloat in it. I'm, I don't say they'll be like on the forefront of the title race. But I think the main contenders this season are going to be it will be AC Milan, Napoli, Sassuolo, and Roma. Those are the four I see right now because, look, Inter's not doing it. Juve has just started playing well, um, and so they're, they're far behind. They're in fifth, right? I mean, I think they're in fifth. No, you're in fifth. They're in fourth, but, you know – you know, there's a certain circumstance. They're not just they're just they're just not playing well. Jabal is not getting into his moment. Uh, Pillow does it seems to be a little bit out of depth. Um, but but so far this season, which teams do you think go into that class? Milan, Roma, Sassuolo, and of course maybe Napoli. Um, I mean, because I mean, look, look, Atalanta is struggling really bad right now, so it's like. Oh, they're horrible right now. So it's like, unless they're able to somehow miraculously get that fire back, it's going to be hard for them. So pretty much those four teams are like the only ones that could do something. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to think about this weekend. Um, you, 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 are you aware who you play this weekend? Uh, yeah, I do. Sassuolo away. And I, I know in when we talk about the, the, the wave factor – for most situations, it doesn't it doesn't really affect anything because there's no fans in the stands, right? But Sassuolo's impact of away games playing there isn't based on the fans. It's based on the pitch. It's just it's a, it's a different environment playing there than any other place in Italy because I I'm not I don't I want to be dis- I want to be respectful. I, I'm not going to say their pitch isn't up to standards, but there are complicating factors with playing there. And now coming off a bad performance, you have to go to Sassuolo and play a team that is pl- – I mean, look, I-, I think I think they were lucky to get the victory this weekend, but still, that, that's, that's really um, a challenging 
aspect of that. So, well, I mean, anyway, back to, back to my main point here. You obviously cannot change your team at this moment unless you sign like Mario Balotelli or something, which I would not recommend any team do. Um, but based on what you have right now, what do you think the most effective way is to turn this thing around? Whether it's changing, uh, whether you change uh, people, change the starting lineup a little bit, change some other aspects. What's the best way to change this team so to sort of so they can play like a team that belongs? Because you've won a whole bunch of games. Remember the first game of the season against Fiorentina mm-hmm. in the in the the one of the best games of the season, four three. Then Lazio, uh, Lazio and Inter, you had uh, you had a game like this kind of it was c- kind of a nasty game, but you end up getting that point, and then then you go on, and then you have this game where you or you the Parma game, obviously you go you go down two 0 you end up coming back and and getting a point against a horrific team, uh, a really bad Parma team. Um, if you don't think that, just watch watch the Roman game this weekend. They absolutely outclassed them from start to finish. And then you have this game against Torino, another bad team that you're you're squeaking by. And I know you beat them by two goals, but that only happened at the very very end. So what we what would be your approach of trying to change this team? Just so because it obviously you want to change something in January, but if you're if you get to January. And Roma and Juventus and Napoli and these teams are five, six points ahead of you. Then it's pointless at that point. You're you're basically trying to prepare yourself for next season. So you have to be able to stay afloat. So, what would be the best way for you? Do you think that makes sense to do that? Um, first and foremost, we all know with how Antonio Conte is, he's not going to change that formation. We that so that's already been proven. Um, so it will come down who we put into the lineup. And I know right now that Antonio Conte has been trying to play, put different players in the starting lineup, hoping for a better performance or a different result. And to be honest, nothing is really working, no matter what, who he plays and where he plays them. It's just like, it's right now it's just going to be a train wreck, in my opinion. All right, so... Just, just so I'm aware, because I, I, you're watching more often than me, Inter, at least. Um, well, you, you just know the database a little better than I do. What, what, in the, what are you playing in the midfield right now, typically? Well, usually, like, in the, just in the midfield? Yeah, Barella and who else? Because I just want to get a grip of what you're actually playing in the midfield. Um, it varies per week. Like, right now, he Antonio Conte sometimes puts in a – I know – D'Ambrosio is definitely one of the, in the um, on the far right as always, um, but then like. But I mean, centrally, who's 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 paired with Barella in the middle? There's really Who no. Has been at least? There's really no cohesiveness because usually it's just Barella being the one constant. Every other week, he's changing these players out, trying to hope that it would. It's like the legs. No. I, I get that, right? But I'm I'm not talking about the wingbacks because the wingbacks are whether it's oh, I'm talking in general. Yeah, but in in the in, when Inter line up, there is a midfield. So when when it it it's open, Barella and someone else is next. I, I'm not saying a particular what what collection of players are being put next to Barella. That's what I'm asking. Like I said, it's not you get, it's not constant. Yeah, but no, no. But you get what I'm saying. Oh, not, yeah, not oh, you're saying in general. In general. Um, 
Just who? What are some of the, the some of the players um, that are being lined up next to Burrell? Not consistently, but because I just don't want to get a grips of what it's looked like, just so I can approach the next question. You get what okay? I'm saying? Um, sometimes he's partnered with Vidal. Sometimes he's been partnered with uh, Raja. Um, I'm trying to think. Of course, Brozovic is occasionally thrown in there in the center. It's just like they he fluck he switches them off pretty much every week between some of these players, and when he's healthy, Stefano Sensai has been put in there. Right. Okay. So, I mean, none of those are really good options. That's a problem. Um, do you think uh, Sensai is always injured, um, but? If if you if he prioritized those two in that position, would do you think the midfield would? I mean, it's a bad midfield, but would, do you think they could survive until January with being within distance of the top, you know, four? I mean, it is a possibility, but the thing is, Antonio Conte doesn't. The thing is, he doesn't play with consistency either. So, because if you if you constantly swap these players in and out and keep only a few constants you're not gelling well as a team because you're expecting to play with one person, but then you're ending up playing with another. So there's no real, mm -hmm. like, gel that is really working. So if Conte was also able to just, like, okay, say, these are going to be my starters, that's the end of it, unless they somehow get injured and have that consistency so these players are working well together throughout the season, that would also be half the battle. Right. All right. I have two more Inter points, and then I actually have some good news about Inter to, to, to tack off to end this segment. Um, so based on uh, – actually, let's, let's talk about what uh, – all right. So let me put it this way. Let's go back to the training game just really briefly. The, uh, I, I don't mean to bring this up, but it was so bad that we need to discuss it. Um, what was your reaction to, that, to, the, uh, to the Alexis Sanchez thing? What about, which one? The one that gave up the first goal. You know what I'm talking about? Where he gave the touch and then oh, yeah, that. the Torino player outside the box. Oh, yeah, that was, like, really? He, it's like he was right there. He could have prevented that chance. He was standing there looking like, what am I doing? Yeah. And um, to be honest, at times throughout the match, it looked like these players were just standing there and they weren't really doing anything either. So it's like. Yeah. Um, so do you think stuff like that is a mentality problem or do you think it's just uh, players just not being focused? Because the, what, we, what we always talk about Liverpool is their mentality monsters. They can lose Van Dyke and still win games, right? They're still basically top of the league. They're still playing well without their one of their most important players. Like stuff like that doesn't seem to happen in teams like, and Liverpool's a, a high example, but you get what I'm saying. Like teams that have that mentality, those. So, do you think it's a mentality issue, or do you think it's just your play or what they're doing? I mean, it could be a combination of both of those things simultaneously. I mean, especially if these are players who have been known to do well, but. I'm thinking it just now. It's more of a mentality issue. 
It's like I've seen this team. There are times where they just stand there and let these chances from their opponents go by. And there's just no desire or hunger to, like, win. I mean, I I take some of that back with some of the players. There are some players like Barella, Martinez, and Lukaku who are going – Hakimi. Hakimi. Who are really going out there and trying to, like, get these victories, but the rest of the team just doesn't seem to care. Right. And I I don't mean to pick on Alexis Sanchez here um, because I feel like outside of that, he had a good game, but it was just that particular – because he went and scored. But that particular thing I felt like set off the whole team in the wrong way. You know what I mean? And it was just a stupid mistake. And next week maybe he scores a worldie against Sassuolo, but I don't know. Anyway, last point on this, and then I actually do have some good news about Inter because I know you've been waiting for some good news. Um that I'm, I'm not sure that you're aware about. Um, what do you think your so? What do you think Inter's biggest issue is? Like in turn, you know what I mean. Like, is it the midfield? Is it the is it coaching? Is it the attack? Is it the you know what 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 would you identify as their biggest? It's really hard to just pick on one area because it's like, but I think in my opinion, the consistency is the real issue when it comes to the lineup. If Conte, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times where, I mean, that has to be the one thing that's really messing with them a little bit. So I would have to say coaching. Uh, okay, I get that. In terms of the, the team, though, uh, let's just put it this way. In the transfer market, if you, you're, you got a blank check to sign somebody, not, not who, what position are you signing as soon as, when when the window opens? What well, what position would you go after? Midfield. All right, all right. So so I think actually defense is your biggest problem, and I and I'm going to explain why. Um, it, as you're aware, Roma are are play with a back three, right. right? Juventus play with a back uh-huh. three, right? Man, okay, so so these are the this is the Roma back line. Uh, Chris Small. It depends who you lo- who you like, but uh, the the collection of mi- of back of of defenders are usually Chris uh, Chris Smalling, Max Gambula, Roger Ibanez, Gianluca Manzini. Do any of those players have any? Ha- are there? Do they have an attacking mentality? Any? No. Juventus, Delit, uh, D- Damarel, and whoever you like are those attacking minded defenders? No. This is the problem with the back three. You have Bastoni. Is he attacking my Yes. So what happens when he when he pushes forward and he, he plays with that flexibility to, to push up? Then you're you're basically playing with two defenders. He's he's putting you back there. And I like Vince Bastoni. I think he's a great, a really promising prospect. But uh, people who are saying that he should make the Euros over Mancini, I think, is utterly ridiculous. But and then you have you have DeVry. DeVry is defensive, but then you, you play with D'Ambrosio. What does D'Ambrosio do well? Goes forward. That's the problem. That's why you can't play with a back three. You need to play with a back four. Because you and I give Theo Hernandez a hard time. He's an excellent player offensively. He just doesn't defend well enough. Theo Hernandez's team plays with a back four. 
Well, he's not inadvertently hurting his team necessarily because when he goes forward, there's still three there's there's still center backs there to deal with what you're going with. And that's the problem with this is when you play with a back three, you have to play three center backs. You can't play a left back in on the left side, you can't play a right back on the right side. So what they should be doing is you should be playing DeVry, Scrinyar, and yeah, you're and then okay. This is gonna sound crazy. Darmian, Darmian, Skriniar, and um, and Devry are all defensive. You're playing with attacking-minded defenders in the back three, and uh, that's your problem. I think that's the biggest problem. How would you respond to that? Yeah, that also makes sense too because when you have attacking, you're leaving those empty gaps in the back, which is also an issue. But like I said. This team is a mess from top to bottom. Everything from like the coaching and the management all the way down to the players. And everybody should be starting to hold themselves accountable because this is getting ridiculous in us fans. Oh, man. I'm speaking as a fan right now. We are getting yeah. restless. We're hungry for a title, and we're sick and tired of them not delivering. Right. I mean, so, I mean, obviously, you, you and I both were idiots and picked into yeah. the league, but how, how has your, um, I guess, thought process in regards to that changed based on what you've seen so far? What's your, what's your expectation now? Is it still the title? Is it now top four? Is it just Europe? I mean, I mean, it is, again, I, I think we need to chill a little. It's eight games, um, but at the same time, there's enough evidence here to suggest what, what they are. Um, at this point, folk, more yeah. than likely, is it's going to be end up be us being in the Europa League because if we we would need to be focus because I mean with how Shakhtar and Mucha and Gladbach have been performing, they're showing they have what it takes to get out of the group stages. Oh. No, I got that. I'm talking about but in the, the league, league however, for, for next season. They need to focus at, at this point on top four because there's no way with the team that we currently have, we're winning anything. Right. I get that. No, 100%. So as a fan, your expect, I mean, your expectation is a league title. But if that doesn't happen, you're, you're acquiring top four. Do that I have that correct. right? All right. Okay. That makes sense. Because, yeah, I think that's fair. It is eight games. So I, I, I think you should wait till 10, 12 to really readjust the expectation. Again, you have, a hard, you, have a, you have a hard schedule the next couple of games, and that's going to be difficult. Um, I know Roma have Napoli next weekend, but I feel like it's a momentum thing, and, and, and Inter certainly don't have it. Uh, Lukaku um, has been great again, and he's going to continue to be that way, but even and I, I think he's fit. I think I think and I don't know what you're what you think, but I think he's happy at Inter. I don't think he's going to be looking Ooh. elsewhere. But if Lukaku, okay, my brain zoned out. He doesn't seem to. No, okay, he doesn't seem to be. I guess um, it just doesn't seem like something he'd be interested in at this point. But even someone like him would will sort of reconsider that that point of view. Uh, of things don't change. Um, 
Anyway, um, let's end with some good news before we talk about the rest of the games. Um, you have, for the last couple weeks um, this season, uh, obviously you're happy with Handanovich, but you want, uh, obviously, you're looking to, for a successor. That is correct. Right? So, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, uh, basically, um, uh, Alicio Cragno, who's the goalkeeper at Calgary, um, his agent uh, was in the news today talking about he'd like to see his client at Inter Milan. And he spoke about um, what he has done at Calgary to earn uh, an opportunity to join a bigger club. So, uh, first of all, did did you hear about no, that? No, I haven't. This is new news. Okay, so there you go. That's my gift Oh, to my you. gosh, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, I don't know how... Um, this how deep the situation is, but according to reports, um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump off my skis here, but according to reports, the the management is is they ideally would like to look at getting a geek goalkeeper. Um, so they'll pay they're they'll pay a king's ransom. That's just a given. But how would you feel if with him as your number one next? That season? would be awesome, actually. I would love that. And I feel like out of the uh, – when we discussed this before, I didn't even mention it because I thought it was that they weren't going to, you know, spend so much on a player of – you know, because he's more expensive than Merritt and he's more expensive than uh, Sirigo. He's more expensive than uh, um, uh, the, uh, the Udinese keeper. I forgot his name. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're um, talking about, but it's saluting me. All right, you guys a keeper. Um, I think his first name is Musa. I forgot his last name. Um, no, uh, it might be Musa. Is that right? Yeah. Does that sound right? <laughs> We're right. overcomplicating this a little bit. <laughs> Well, yeah, sorry. I, I just need to check just to – not that it matters, but I, I just um, – uh, I, I just would like to know just be so – because my brain is going to um, – uh, you know. Um, yeah, sorry. Oh, Musso. Close enough. Um, but anyway, um, I, hope, I hope that happens. Hondadovich has done a great job. If anything, and I'm not cheering for Inter to win the title, I'm done with that now, um, now that my team seems to have entered that race. But if they could go out and win the Copa Italia and Handanovic could lift one, tr- one more trophy with Inter, uh, but, yeah, I don't think he's got one trophy. God, that's depressing, given how good he's been. Um, get that trophy, and then you can have Cragno. Uh, um, as uh, the the number one um, uh, next season, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, that's just what's being reported at this moment. All right, let's get into the rest of this. I just wanted to to sort of prioritize that conversation, given that fact that you're kind of in turmoil right now. Um, all right, uh, uh, Lazio Cortone, uh, what did you what did you think of the game? I'm trying to remember who won because, unfortunately, I do not have the scores at my fingertips. 
2-0 Lazio. It's, it was the rain game. Oh, yeah, the rain game. Remember? Yeah, that was. Oh, man. I'm looking at it. I don't have to play, wouldn't have to play in that. Oh, yikes. But they did phenomenal. Um, Immobile and um, Carrera, Carrera, top quality as always. They executed their goals with the nest. That's why I think those are like two of their best players, like all around, because they just provide that consistency throughout the season. Um, Crotone just lack has been struggling themselves. It's just like unless they had Raja back and they were able to sign him, and this team does is not the same without him. It wasn't. He was with Kyle. Oh, my bad. Never mind. Just kidding. Scratch that. Um, <laughs> just so you know, my our brains are like off today, so bear with us. Um, but yeah, Katana has been struggling like throughout the past the whole entire season so far. So unless they're able to figure out something, they're gonna just struggle in general. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a little unfortunate though, because they did like they almost even they were in almost in the lead at one point, but uh, the nature of the, the the conditions of the pitch prevented them from going in front. Um, how big of a deal do you think it is for Lazio getting this win with a mobile back and stuff like that? I, I'm just curious. I think it's um like a important win just because now that he's back and he would be actually able to, like, partake in the celebration of it. Um, and mm-hmm. I also think with him being back and being able to score is just awesome for him because, I mean, I think he – what was it, an injury or sickness or something? Uh, COVID-19. Yeah, um, so, yeah, to see him to come back from that and be able to execute like he always does is just huge. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was a it was good win. It was good to have him back. But I, I think I think the importance of that win is being a little blown out of proportion. A lot of people on Twitter were talking about how great this is and this you know, this is this is the right move this is the right victory to push us forward. I don't know they have one win. Not one, just one. They're at the bottom of the table. They're not very good. They only have one player they can score, and I know Juventus got a draw against them, um, but still, uh, I, I think it's a good win. But I, I think they need to just stay stay the course because um, this this is not a match that you know tests them. But the conditions were were difficult. I couldn't imagine trying to play in that sort of weather, um, and I'm actually kind of surprised that the they, the game like went on, especially. You could see any every, every time someone touched touched the ball, you see a splash of water just come up from the ground. I was like thinking during oh, that, man. I'm like, "Hey, someone get the boats ready. We're gonna play water football in boats." Yeah, I, I just thought that. Um, I don't know. It, it, I'm. I think that it was the right decision ultimately letting them play, but I, I would have just been worried of injury and slipping and, and all that other things. And there were plenty of moments in that game. Um, but, and they, and if it was dry surface, the score probably would have been a lot different. Um, I, I'm not saying Crotone would have won or anything like that, but um, 
the, the game could have been uh, closer, or maybe Lazio would have been even better with, with uh, without it. So um, I think it's a good win, but, you know, that's about it. Um, unfortunately, we've got to talk about this Alonta thing. Um, it's it is just, it's horrible. It's oh, my gosh. They get a they get a zero zero with Spezia. Um, well, what's your reaction? To it's that? just devastating to see the um, condition they're in, especially ha- since we've seen them perform so much better the past few two or three seasons. Just to see them going from a team that was made it to the Champions League semifinals to now just struggling to be, make it into the top, the Europa League. It's just like where what has happened to them. Um, I just hope that they find that spark again because we all know all grew to love them, especially during the Champions League. Especially after all of our teams pretty much were done in the champions in the Europa League, except Inter, who made it to the finals, whatever. Um, it is what it is on that one. But, uh, Sevilla. Sevilla. Mm. Uh-oh. Sevilla, <laughs> gosh. I hate Sevilla right now. But anyway, um, it's just like seeing them fall from grace is just heartbreaking. Yeah. I agree. I think it's done. I think so, too. The story's over. And honestly, I think the story was over after that night in in Paris. Or it wasn't in Paris. (laughs) I mean, in in the Champions League quarterfinals. I think it ended there. Um, Papu Gomez is still excellent. Um, Zabata probably should have scored in that game. uh, Hit the post. Uh, uh, they even had a goal waved off. Um, so it's still a great team. Uh, Gasparini's still a great manager. I just love to see him go somewhere else now because I, I feel like he's taken this team as far as he possibly could have. And he's done more than anyone has done. I mean, that, that run that he took this team on is absolutely unbelievable. But um, I, I think it's over. I don't think they'll make the Champions League this season. Um I think they started hot and they just they they just never fully recovered from from that form. They lost that game to um uh who was it? I, uh Sampdoria and um and then or Napoli actually. Napoli and then they just never recovered from it. I I think they'll still make the Europa League. Um I think would you so. agree with that? But I, I don't think they're gonna make the Champions League and I think that story is over. Um, a club with no history was given history, um, but I, I think ultimately they'll, they'll, they will come up short of the ultimate goal that we thought they were going to. Um, but on the other hand, Spezia is in 13th place. They are now three points safe from the bottom. Um, what do you? What, I mean, I, I don't say games. What, what do you think their chances are of surviving the season? I think they have a good chance of surviving, in my opinion, because if they're able to keep up with some of the teams, even if it's like getting just a point off some of the bigger teams, or just hold them to a standstill and they focus on one of the smaller games and just make small little dents here and there, I think they have a chance of staying up. 
Yeah. Uh, and just so you know, goal scoring does not seem to be a problem. They have scored. Uh, let's see. They they have scored eleven goals, conceded fifteen. It's not a great, uh, you know, ratio. Um, but they have only one loss in the last five games. Um, this is a team that seems to have w- what it takes to survive, um, given the form of some of the teams that are closer to the bottom. Um, <clears throat> I think Benevento and Spezia at this point look like both teams will survive the season. I thought Spezia was going to have some real issues, um, but it, it, it seems like that's not going to be a problem and they're going to they're find a way to survive. I don't think this is going to last a long time, um, but because maybe, I don't know, Next season, I, I would I'd be surprised if they survive. But for the current campaign, I think they have a good chance. They shut out Atlanta. They've done well against a lot of different teams, and um, just look like a team that uh, that could do something potentially uh, down the road with the, with the right investments. But I think for the time being, they'll they'll probably be safe. Um, um, you know. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Juventus and Calgary, Juventus beat Calgary uh, 2-0. Uh, thoughts? And, uh, in this match, I think Chris, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo has proven that he is still one of the greats out there. I mean, yeah, recently it has, of this season and last season, he has <laughs> his moments where he's not at 100%. And but when he does show up and performs at that top quality, we all know he's capable of. He he just mm-hmm. delivers, and he proved that this weekend. Yeah, I think um, you shouldn't expect a performance like that every weekend, and I think it's foolish to not acknowledge that uh, Ronaldo's declining, and he's no longer in the top five in the world. But you know what? He's still his worst. His worst of his worst is better than most players ever will get to. So um, let, let me see if you agree with me here. Do you think this was his best game in the Juventus shirt? I know this sounds crazy, but uh, what were your thoughts on that? Let me think about this for a second. I think this was one of his best performances. I mean, he went out there, did his job delivered and went home and gave Juventus those much needed three points. Yeah. I mean, I think clearly this, this, the ball is not in the right moment. I, I, I love Pilgrim I'm blaming that hundred percent on him. He's not, he's not utilizing him correctly. Um, but uh, uh, this is a Ronaldo led team. It's different. Uh, last year was the ball of led team. And there's no denying that um, he was the best player in the league last season. This year, it's, it's being led by uh, Ronaldo Duval hasn't got it going yet. And I don't know if he will to the same extent with, uh, with the current management that's, that's being done. But he was outstanding. This was the best performance that he has had in, in a couple of years. I would take this performance over the uh, hat trick against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League uh, comeback uh, his first season. And most of the games his first season. His first season was excellent. Last season was not good. Um, this season has kind of been up and down. His scoring goals, but it's kind of been a little inconsistent. What you, what you would expect that from someone who's 30, 36 years old. Um, he's still playing at a top level. And, and the performance against Calgary, a strong Calgary team that were in good form, um, really uh, something special. Uh, I think it's clear now that they will be in the Champions League. I see them as a Champions League team. I don't think they're going to win it. And I don't think – I think they're missing too many components to, to – 
to realistically go and win a title. But, um, you know, that, be that as it may, a really great performance. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. Um, let's see here. Uh, Benevento beating Fiorentina, uh, a team that I've ripped for three years. Um, what were your thoughts on, on, on that game? One question. What's going on over there? I mean... What do you, what do you think the problem I is? I really don't know. It's looking like there's a couple different issues because normally this is a team that's more, I guess, composed. And if I'm remembering, KCR, KCR played for them, right? Yeah, but I, I actually mean, don't think that's an issue. This... This team was playing well last year without when he wasn't playing well. Um, so it's got to be something else, right? Because there was all this hype and stuff about this team as there has been the last couple of years. And I feel like to a certain extent, they're painting a, a target on their back. And this was the first game of new coach. I don't know what to make of it. I man, really don't know either because – it's just like one of those things that we this Fiorentina is also a team that we expect to at least even though they're not like a top of the table team like but we've yeah, seen, but we we, but we, we know, know where exactly where they normally finish like middle of the table like trying to push for ten yeah tenth tenth to twelfth is as I have them uh, I think eleventh and I think you had them close to that range as well so even though we expected them to underperform. To this extent, and I know there's it's it's so you know, early. They're in fifteenth. They're they're in fifteenth right now, though. I mean, yes, you can make the still early argument if your if your expectation is tenth and you're in twelfth, but they're in fifteenth. They are. I mean, golly, I mean, it, it's just like they're they're only three points above the relegation zone, and. They have lost three, two of their last five games. They have one win in the last five. Their manager got fired, and then they hired him. They hired someone who's basically, you know, the same type of manager. Um, real quick, I, I don't want to go too deep in this, but uh, do you think they should have hired Jari yes. when they had the chance? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that that makes sense to me. Or uh, Spalletti. Spalletti would have been great for for Fiorentina. Um, What's the name of their current manager? Mess, but on the other hand, Pandielli. Uh, Pandielli. Uh, he coached. Knowing that you know, uh, he he coached Fiorentina many years ago. I, I was actually surprised they made this choice. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a manager like that, you might as well have just taken the same manager that you had and waited for a, another opportunity. So. Um, yeah, I actually think Spalletti and sorry both would have been good choices. And honestly, I think Spalletti deserves a job in Italy. I really do. Um, I, I know that a lot of Inter fans don't like him and things like that, but I think he's he's done. He his credentials his credentials speak for himself, and he should have a job. Um, on the other hand, Benevento in 14th, doing doing pretty well for themselves. Um, so let's. That's uh, you know, that's really good to see. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, uh, let's just do a few thoughts on on some of these irrelevant games. Um, 
Udinese beats uh, Genoa 1-0. Uh, any Not really. It's, like to say. it's just like it is what it is. It's like two teams that are struggling, and we knew at least maybe one of the teams was going to win, and Udinese ended up pulling it off with a, just a 1-0 victory. These are teams that are just like struggling right now, and and it's just like pointless at this point. <laughs> Yeah, uh, DePaul, good goal. Good for him. Um, General <laughs> awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, this team should have been relegated like four years ago. I don't know how they're still in the league, um, but they'll be they'll ha- they'll be finding a new home in Serie B soon. At least that it looks that way. Good on uh, Udinese, uh, I guess. Um, uh, Bologna beats uh, St. Dory 2-1. Good performance from Orsolini. Barrow with, with the assist. Uh, actually, a very, very good game. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, good for them. I think it looks like Bologna is trying to, uh, starting to get back on the right track. I uh, definitely agree. Um, it, sometimes it takes those small little changes to start moving things in the right direction. And Bologna may have had some struggles early on, but if they are able to figure out what, it takes to get back into form. They're definitely a team that's capable of doing it. Yeah, they're only they're only two points or one point out of the top ten. So, um, all right. Um, uh, the crossbar game, Verona Sassuolo. Uh, Who won again? Sassuolo, right? No, but this is the funny part. Verona hit the Are crossbar you, four I times. I was like, I forgot to count, but. What? <laughs> that is like the most unfortunate I, I, stuff out there. I mean, come on. Yeah, and you know when you hit the crossbar, it's not always a goal, or it's not—it's not always should have been a goal. The first one, man. I, like I felt so bad. He hit it clean, and it hit the inside of the post. It was behind the goalkeeper, then it bounced up. Um, and then there was another one. They, they, I think they should have got a draw here. Verona played really well. But, I mean, it's so unfortunate we hit the bar that many times. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, Jermaine Boga, who hasn't really lit it up yet, and this is a scary thing about this team, hit an absolute scorcher from, uh, from the corner, uh, scoring, and then Berardi scores another one again. And, and they just, they just, they're just rolling. Um, but, uh, yeah. Good, good for Sassuolo. They're going to have a lot of good energy going into the game against Inter, and uh, I think Verona will be okay with it. They'll be they'll they have to feel disappointed though, just because of of how they lost this game. Uh, but again, they they have a point that doesn't belong to them, or three points that doesn't belong to them. So I'm not. I mean, I it could have been a better that. game. They were just, they were knocking on woodwork. They were. I mean, he could have even said they deserve to win the game. Um, I think they probably did, actually. If you really look down on how they played, they played really well. They just couldn't hit the woodwork. Or, sorry, they couldn't hit the back of the net. They had no problem hitting the woodwork. Um, and then when, when stuff like that's happening, you have a Sassuolo team who attacks really well. They're eventually going to get you. And it was just yeah, a game that's Yeah, but has to talk about knocking on wood. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, two more, and then uh, I'm going to go into something else after this. Um, the big, one of the big games this this weekend, AC Milan Napoli. Uh, 
Is, do you think that was I a think, statement from AC Milan? I think that was definitely a statement saying they're going to be a major competitor this season. And let's let's get, be honest, Zlatan, oh my gosh, he's still go two goals, and two I mean, goals. he's still performing at that top level. And I like one of the tweets Yom, you sent uh, the other day, or some the, one of the posts you made. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes, Latin is the Tom Brady of the of of football. He goes out there and will be competing like that probably until he's like forty five. That was just brilliant on your part, but yeah, you know what's funny about that thing though? Because there was there was a scandal with with Tom Brady and uh, the Patriots, um, right? In the NFL, right? Guess what team was Juventus? Well, sorry, what what team was Zlatan on in, ah. in 06? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, I didn't even think about that until after I posted it, and I'm like, oh, my I didn't even see what I did there. Um, no, he's, I think, I don't know, man. He might. Do you, do you, do you, do you think he can play before he? Oh I'm man, really I it, I could definitely. See See him doing that, but will he do it? Who knows? I think I think he'll play a year more, uh, one season longer than Toti, and Toti played till he's forty-two. Uh, so I'm going to say Zlatan plays until forty-three. Um, but you know, you never know. Um, I, just to go on Napoli really quick, um, do you think it was a bad performance, or do you think they were just uh, they were just outclassed by? Um, a team that seems to be really I mean, Napoli's moving right now. still a great team. And, but in this case, I just think they were outclassed by a team that's, like, hungry and wanting to make a statement. Do you think that a game like that will dent their confidence, especially with, with Napoli having like, a I game mean, over the weekend? it would, but if they're able to, like, shake that and just focus on is going to happen this weekend, they should have no problems, like, performing. Uh, yeah, until, until Roma shows yeah. up, and then they oh, will have boy. a problem. I'm just kidding. Uh, and obviously, um, the last game was Roma-Parma. Um, I, I'm i going to fawn over this, so uh, you you say your piece on uh, how you thought the, the Roma performed, and then I'll... Uh, then I'll I was going to say, I like just one word, Mkhitaryan, baby. I like, he is a machine. I mean, holy Toledo, man. I was like, you want, you want, hold on, I'm going to let you finish. You want to hear a crazy stat about him, though? This season, actually, two, I got two for you. This season, actually, it's either this season or his time with Rome. I'm not sure which one it is with this one. This season, he has he has had a goal contribution every eighty eight minutes. Wow, crazy! That's right? impressive. And and then okay, ent- entering the uh, what was it the fortieth minute? So uh, the fortieth minute of la- of the game against Parma, he is ha- he in that time is from basically. So, you know, against before international break against Genoa, he scored in stoppage time in the, the first half against Genoa. And that was right. the, his first of three goals that game when he had the hat trick last, last time. 
So from that point in the game, so from 45 minutes of that game to the, the first goal he scored in, in the uh, uh, sorry, in the um, sorry, in the Parma game, it, from, from that point to, to, to that point, he had um, hold on a second. It's hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to do the math here. Just give me a second here. All right, I got it. So from from the first goal against Genoa to his uh, his his second goal. No, that's right. To sec- his second goal in the uh, in the in the Parma game in the, in seventy five minutes of play, he had five goals. And if you add the whole game together, in the in his last uh, in his last hundred and what is it in the last one hundred and twenty five minutes. Uh, it's, he's got five goals and one assist. Isn't that crazy? Wow, what? Anyway, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, finish your, I mean, your thought and then well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine. is that dude, man. I mean, he is just a phenomenal across the board. You guys got a great defense. You guys did what you had to do, and you just brought those points home. So, kudos. Yeah. What What did you think of Roma um, doing all this again without? So the, these are the absent, absentees from Roma from from last week. Um, by the way, Jacko is now uh, COVID negative. Um, he will it looks like he will play against uh, Napoli. So happy for that. Um, Pellegrini is in the clear. Uh, Smalling should be back for 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 Napoli as well. And uh, so Max Kambula and David uh, Santone are the only two uh, people left that uh, who have who have COVID who um, who still need a negative test. So I'm going to say that first. So uh, so last week they so this last game they didn't have Jekko, they didn't have uh, Pellegrini came in the 80th minute, but they didn't he didn't start. They didn't have Smalling, they didn't have Kambula, and then the other two. What, what were your thoughts on because? When we early in the season, this was a problem. We couldn't do anything without, uh, you know, Jack Owen because he's so important. This is the second game in a row in which Roma have picked up six points or three points. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And I, I know that Parma is not particularly great, but Inter couldn't beat Parma and they have Lukaku and Martinez. So I don't think the fact that they play Parma should really enter that conversation at all. But what did you think of, of their ability to do I'm this? I'm here like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, and uh, the striker that they signed, the striker that they signed, Bojan Mayoral or Moriel, uh, he scored the first goal. I mean, this is what a team is supposed to do. You are supposed to have a good enough team where, say, if some of your normal starters are out, you're able to step in and still get the results done. This is a team that shows heart and determination no matter what, and they get the job done without any question. This is a team that will compete for a title this season. I'm sorry to say it, Inter. It's just we need to be looking at what other teams are doing and figuring out why we're not competing to that level. Because... Okay, I'm right. For sure. So overall, go on. Just this is a team that does what they need to do, and they go and they execute it to perfection. Would you say that 
Well, two parts. Would you say that this they will be? So obviously, there's a title race. Do you think they will be? Do you think they'll be your? Ah, sorry. Do you think they will be? So there's in my mind, there's two tiers of the title race. There's the teams that are going to to, to have a shot in the dark to win, to, or they're going to have a shot to win it. And then there's the teams outside who are who are maybe have a chance to go up. So through eight games, and it's just eight games, we'll see how it goes. If if Roma maintain this pace, they'll win the league, but they're not going to. It's it's mutually impossible to play at the the pace uh, that they're playing at right now. I still I still think they'll do well, but there, there will be slips in in the armor eventually. But would you, so two two points here. Do you think Roma are going to be in a tier one title race or a tier two title race? And do you think based on the options they have defensively, defensively they have the best defense? I think they're going to be at least a tier one, in my opinion. Um. They have what it takes to be able to like keep up the pace at some at a good chunk of the season, and they may have a hiccups, a few hiccups here and there. But I, but with how your guys's mentality, you are able to shake off those like mistakes and focus on getting back on track. So there should be no issue with that. And with the defense you have, I think you guys do have one of the best defenses in the league because you're you, the way you guys defend compared – and you guys are playing with the back three too. You guys are playing with defenders who actually just stand there, stay in their positions and defend, whereas Inter and some other clubs, they're, play, they're playing a dual role and – that is what is what co- is costing these teams dearly. Yeah, I agree. Um, just for the sake of argument, because um, I think I think they have enough to win the title if they can keep it up. If they were able, to, if they were able to grab El Sharawi in January, would that put them? And I know we're eight games in, and this we probably shouldn't be even talking this deep down the road. But if they were able to grab El Sharawi in in January, would that put and and let's say that Milan and and Roma and Napoli are both within points, would that put them on the f- forefront of the? Of the I title think it would because he, he, I think well, he was on loan with, with you guys, right? No, we had him for four years. He's we almost signed him uh, in the summer. He's in China, but he's not in China. He's he's waiting for January to open so someone can get him. And and his prefer- preferred destination is Roma. Um, I think it's going to happen personally. Um, I would be surprised if it doesn't. But I'm just I'm just speaking hypothetically if this goes through because you never know what happens in football. Uh, Fabrizio Romero hasn't confirmed it or anything like that. But this is just the growing belief inside the club. Yeah, if you get him, him I think game. it would put you a little bit further ahead in the in the title race because he is an overall great player himself and he knows what he's doing. So I think you guys would have a better chance if you were able to sign him as well. All right. Yeah, I think so too. I, anyway, I think I think Roma is a great team. I think this is the best Roma team we have seen uh, for quite a while, and I'm including the solid team. This team has a certain way about them. Fonseca, I, I'm sorry. If if Roma even gets second, he's the he's the manager of the season. Unless Asuolo wins the league, if Asuolo if Asuolo doesn't win the league and Roma are in the top three, Fonseca's manager of the season. I don't think there's no there's no question. Um, secondly, you finally have a manager that is that is that is adapting to circumstances. 
has a team for the Europa League, has a team for the league, and it's working well. Roma are top of their group in the Europa League. Um, only one bad performance so far there. Uh, they'll probably keep it that way until we get into a deep part of the competition. Uh, and then on the other the other part, um, it's attacking football, but he's he's using all his players in the right way. He has so many options off the bench, and Jacko and um, and Moriel are going to be able to both be effective um, this season. McDonough is, is one of the best players in the league. Pedro's been playing like one of the best players in the league. So it, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to truly be uh, optimistic about. But again, like everything else. You don't want to get over over exaggerated, and you don't want to sort of um, jump the gun before it goes off. But uh, I think Roma will make the Champions League. I think that's done. The question is, can they win the league? And I, I have a, I'm not, I may not go to this point yet. I think it's a high likelihood that Roma will win a title. Not maybe not. They don't win the Scudetto, but they, I think they'll win something. Um, whether it's it's the if the Europa League or Coppa Italia, I think this team is good enough to win something. And for the first time in a long time, this team is better than Juventus. They just are. They're better than Inter. They're probably better than Napoli. Actually, I'm not sure. It's I, I think Napoli and Roma have the best the best teams. Uh, AC Milan has a good team with Zlatan, and that's the difference. So we'll just see how it goes. But um, I think that was um, a, a really good performance. Um, all right, we're not going to do too much on this. Um, actually, let's talk about this really quick. Uh, Erling Holland this week. Um, the man is a joke. Um, four goals uh, this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on the? Uh, I actually like that you know, analogy. Michael That's Jordan. actually brilliant. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, this he. It's like who told you you could go out and perform like that? I mean, at such a young age. I mean, he is just phenomenal. He knows where he is, especially he's able to capital score with finesse, especially even inside dangerous inside the box, and even outside the box. He knows where he's at. He knows where to get the ball, and he just executes. And I'm like, wow. Oh, I like hearing things that you are disgusting. Something really disgusting. RB Salzburg in his uh, this is his goal to, to game ratio: twenty nine goals, t- twenty seven games. At Dortmund, this is his goal to go- goal to game ratio: thirty goals. Sorry, thirty appearances, thirty one goals. He has more goals and appearances at Dortmund and Salzburg. His last two um, things and. This is on top of everything. Uh, he has been just awarded the Golden Boy by UEFA this week before this game, and then scores a hat trick. And they were they were down. And uh, your the your guy who scored that crazy goal, remember? Oh my God! That, oh yeah, that the uh, last year disgusting goal. Yeah, he scored a double in that game, and it was a five-two uh, thing. And uh, Byron dropped points, and Dortmund are, are right there. Um, I know, I know, we've been over this, but like now that it's a little closer, do you feel like Dorman will get it together and, and maybe not to throw? I him, but definitely push think this the end? could definitely be one of those scenarios where they could it, it could possibly dethrone the people that are known as Bayern Munich. I mean, just looking at them and how they're performing is mind blowing, and I can't wait to see what they do. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, congratulations, Erling Holland. Um, all three of us were late to the party, but we're now fighting <laughs> over the steering wheel trying to drive the train. Uh, that, I love this kid so much. Like, if, uh, you know, I, I think he might, and uh, I'm going to ask you this question also. I think he's probably my favorite. <sighs> I don't know. It's it's tough, but it's between him and Jao Felix. But I think Holland might be the most. Uh, in, I think I like to watch him play football more than anyone else in, in the world. Uh, I think he just has this this confidence about him, and he just they don't make things like him anymore. And I know this generational talent thing, uh, and we talked about this with Jack. I, I think people say that too much, and there can't be a gazillion generational talents. But I think this generation, it's Mbappe, it's Holland, and Felix. And Holland is proving to be all that he's cracked up to be. Because remember, we all kind of – we wanted to wait and see what he did this season. And he's been as good as anybody. He's already – he's got 10 goals. He's got – well, 10, 11. He's got 15 goals this season in 12 games. That's ridiculous. Um, so, again, uh, I wish uh, Holland uh, – the best. I think he's going to have a great career. Um, we're going to be hearing about this guy 10 years from now. Um, and he'll have the opportunity to, to, to make football a legacy for himself. Um, again, he, he plays for Norway. Maybe he won't, we won't see him at that many world cups and that many euros, but uh, <laughs> congratulations uh, to the Norwegian Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to talk about the divorce at the end, but I want to talk about uh, something real quick. Um, and, and I okay, so uh, Ed and Jacko, uh, uh, uh Roma, uh, sorry, Roma, uh, the website, uh, their official website ran a documentary on Ed and Jacko. I've seen it, I know all about Jacko, we know the story. 2007, I wanted him to come to Roma from Wolfsburg. Uh, I've been, I, he's one of my favorite players of all time, and that's always going to be the same. I know his entire story. Um, but coming from somebody like yourself who you know Jekyll because you, you've seen him play for Roma against Inter, a team that he is like, he's, he's often done well against. Um, what, were, what were some of your uh, biggest takeaways? Because you watched a documentary this week. So first of all, what did you think of the documentary and what were your biggest takeaways? And, and maybe you could share with us uh, something uh, – something you didn't know about him that you, that you um, learned. I actually um, thoroughly enjoyed this documentary. And for those of you who do not have Roma TV, it's currently, they put it out on YouTube. And I highly, if you want, if you're just a fan of football documentaries and learning about the players, or if you know that player and you just want to like dive in more on learning about them, or you're just starting out and you want to get to know these players, this is definitely that documentary that will get you started in that area because it was... Also, also just hold on a second. Also, if anyone's interested in documentaries like this one that Daniel's going to explain in a couple minutes here, uh, Roma TV is a free subscription. You don't have to pay anything. Just an email address and a password, and you get access to all their documentaries that they have done from uh, from documentaries like the one we done at Jacko and some of the former legends, uh, some some Tokti stuff is on there. You can watch any of the women game the the highlights from any of the men's games or the women's games. They also have interviews from like Abanias and Jacko and, and Mancini and others. So if you're interested in Roma or just interested in documentaries that we're going to talk about here, 
um, I would recommend signing up and it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, it was um, just a great documentary. And I actually didn't know that um, before Roma, um, Kolarov and him knew each other back at, I think it was Wolfsburg or... Yeah, it was either Wolfsburg or Mancy, but one uh, of those two. Maybe. I didn't even know they knew each other back then. So it's kind of cool, like, seeing, like, where some of these players have met up and, like, how their friendships have formed. Um, I also loved how they went into detail, like, who, like, hearing from these different people, like the coaches, the other the players that he's played with, like, hearing about how he is as a person is like work ethic and um, learning a little bit who he was as a person. And, and it was also interesting how he met his wife and everything. It, it just was an overall interesting documentary to watch, especially what wasn't it freaky. Wasn't it freaky that, um, that him and his wife always went to a Roma on vacation and then he ended up playing there. And then there's this photo from when he was a teenager, him wearing a Roma shirt. I mean, that I was awesome that because like, amazing. it's like things you never really thought about until they actually showed it. And what? Well, you know, what's funny about that though, because I'm uh, sorry. Uh, you'll love this as an Inter fan. There was some article written about, uh, uh, oh, Jekka was an AC Milan fan growing up, and he wanted to um, uh, something, whatever. Which is, I think, is just out of BS. They just try to put that. I don't know what whoever wrote this was. Yeah, stop. And, and I commented, "Where's where's the picture?" With, with, I said, "Where's the picture with him wearing AC Milan gear?" A gear, and I said, "Thought so." With a laughing. But yeah, <laughs> because, I mean, anyway, it I, just was, was interesting learning about where he played how him and his family like survived during the war and everything and how like football was his like safe place during that time. And it just was, it's just really eye opening. And if you haven't watched it yet, you better get on it because it is just really good. All right, let me go back on that one point before we talk about Icardi and Lukaku. But um, in terms of, like you said, he, he grew up with a child of war. And do you think, just from per, just from your perspective, do you think, and obviously you wouldn't wish what, what his family and he had to go through as a kid. Um, you know, he grew up in, his, in, the, in the, uh, the, the Vulcan War. Luka Modric was a, playing Croatia with a similar story, which is why it was so amazing when he won the Ballon d'Or. Um, that a couple, couple of years ago. Um, do you think Ed and Jekko having to go through the, the war um, when he was a child and when he was a, you know, when he was a kid benefited him and maybe attributed? Um, I to think him in that aspect, it kind of did because at that time you had to like work hard for what you wanted, especially if you wanted a better life for yourself and your family. So I think just going, having those like troubling years as a kid and just having to fight for everything that you ever had just kind of like drove him to be the player he was. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I got nominated for award. I mean, it was, it was an incredible documentary. As you said, I, I think we all 
kind of resonated with. I knew about Jekyll for a long time, but I mean, I thought it was for other people who haven't seen it. I think you get to learn about him as a person. I think that was the most unique part of it because you see him on the pitch and you think, oh, he's a great player. But after watching the documentary, you understand him as a human being a little bit as well. Um, and then you get to learn about Wolfsburg. I mean, the, for the OGs, they know about the Wolfsburg Jekko. Um, but for some of the new fans who have maybe don't are not aware of how good he was at Wolfsburg winning the league title and having the, to this day still, the best strike du- duo in the history of the Bundesliga, uh, winning with Man City. Um, I thought the whole thing was really well, well and, and, um, and put together nicely. Um, on that front, um, also, Toti, Toti is having a, uh, a documentary or movie that's now being um, – they're working on English subtitles. Um, I saw Marcus. Marcus might be involved in it in some way, uh, a friend from the show. Um, he used to post about it on Twitter, so that would be a good thing to check out. Also, while we're talking about this, um, I highly, highly recommend uh, buying Arsene Wenger's new book. Um, me and Ryan will do an episode, uh, maybe on here, maybe on other show, about us just talking about uh, what we what we took from it. But it's it's uh, it's a really really great work. Um, uh, while we're on that, oh, okay. So uh, to end. Uh, it's been uh, how long has it been? Uh, year, I would have to say, yeah, pretty much. I think situation? it's been a year. All right. So, for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, you probably were living under a rock. The situation with Wanda Party versus the Inter board and Gelati. Uh, he leaves. Lukaku comes in. He goes to Paris. Uh, Lukaku's at Inter. Um, and I don't know. If we, I don't even know if we have an answer to this yet. But just talk about some what you, what you were feeling at the time, what you feel now, and if you think that somebody one um, or the other has an upper hand in, what in I this uh, that divorce. In the beginning, was uh, when I wrote my little piece about like the snakes in the grass. Um, I was coming off more of like feelings and anger and just frustration because of how things like went down and how much drama that they caused at the club. Um, but now that I've had time to think about it, uh, it, it's, I'm still kind of frustrated how things went down, but we also have players who are also capable of scoring goals. But the one other issue I'm having is, um, that without Lukaku, we don't have a, a goal scorer, really. So it, this isn't one of those scenarios that Icardi would have been perfect to have. Um, you have Icardi, who's won a title with PSG. I mean, if, in my opinion, if he had also won the Champions League with PSG, then I would say... The Icardi's definitely wanted the divorce because he would have already had two titles, including a Champions League. But since they didn't win, and you look at the win, the league win, and you're like looking and saying, "Hey, the this team was winning the league long before Icardi showed up." So there's really no argument in that area. So like right now, in my opinion. This is another a topic that we'll have to like stretch out a, a little bit longer just to see what really happens because I don't think there's really a definitive answer at this point. 
and go ahead. If if he if he moves again, if he what? would you consider that like winning the divorce? Or if you were to move to a different club again, would that give I guess enter the advantage here or uh, I mean, does if that he not ends up getting I'm just like, curious for some sort for some reason some sort of drama, and then he moves again, then I think definitely Inter would have won the divorce. But what if there's no what if there's no drama? It's just uh, he sees an opportunity or there's an opportunity, and he's not getting time under Mbappe and Neymar, I mean, and he just goes to another team and. and... And I mean, well. in that, that scenario, not... if he say if he because okay, we all right know right now he's just a glorified bench warmer, and so if he found a, another club and then he has success at that club, then I would say the Icardi's won it at that point. What if Icardi is, uh, let's say, he does. Uh, 25 games, uh, 13 goals, and uh, they win the Champions League. Would you count I that would as, kind of as consider it, yes. Acardi winning it? Because, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, he has um, scored in half of the games he has played. He just isn't playing a lot. Maybe he's got COVID. Maybe he's injured. Um, so I don't know if, if he's just uh, being a bench warmer. But in, in a certain sense, I think he has rebuilt his reputation. People aren't, lo- aren't looking at him with a stink eye anymore. And I think in a, in a way he's – I'll put it this way. I think, I, think, I think in this divorce, and I don't know if we'll find out, I think, Luka- I think um, uh, Accardi's in the lead. I don't think he's won it, but I think he's in front in this I conversation agree with that. at this point. Um, I guess uh, another thing I have to ask about this um, before we wrap up here. Do you wish that they gave him another Definitely, chance and played him with Lukaku? He, he's also a very strong clinical striker, and he knew what he was doing. Like, if, as long as you got him the ball, it, it would have been like, I think we would have would definitely be further ahead than we are right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Lukaku's a great striker. He doesn't show up in the big games like Icardi did, and he's not as clinical as he is. Because Lukaku makes scores a bunch, but he misses a lot of big chances. And uh, I guess you could have put Martinez on the wing because he's he's got the athleticism to do that. Um, I don't know. Looking back at the situation, I just look at this as uh, it's disappointing to see how it ended up. Because I think they could have done something if, you know, pride was swallowed and they just let him and Lukaku play together. Um, but um, let's just let's just make a prediction. Who do you think I'm is going to win probably, the divorce? It, depending on how things go, I think the Icardis are going to win the divorce. Yeah, I um, I'm going to say this. I said this before. I'm going to say it again. Uh, Acardi didn't do any. He didn't when Wanda was creating talks, talks of stuff in the media. Acardi didn't do anything. Um, he didn't stand up. He didn't, uh, uh, di- you know, he didn't go against um, his teammates. He just said nothing when this was happening. 
So I kind of feel like Accardi still is kind of a victim in this because people have the, the they have him painted as his, he is a bad guy. Let's just let's not beat around the bush. He is, but in this situation, um, we know what happened. We're not going to go over that again. In this situation, I feel like he, um, you know, he it, it was a he was a victim of of Wanda. He wasn't he wasn't it wasn't he didn't have the stamp of approval on what she was saying. He just uh, didn't say anything, and that's why I think he's perceived um, definitely so negatively. All right. Uh, uh, oh, real quick. Um, uh, Champions League this uh, t- um, this week t- starting tomorrow. Um, Inter play Real Madrid. Real Madrid will be without. Um, uh, Benzema, Sergio Ramos, and um, who else is not playing? Ramos, and uh, but Casemiro will play. Um, oh, that's one. Um, uh, with Lukaku back, and if Inter can just fix whatever's going on, I mean, Inter should have no. I mean, with Sergio Ramos gone and some of their other key starters, um, and just based on how weekend Real Madrid has been. I say Inter should win this one two one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that um, that they win it. Uh, I'm gonna say one nil. Actually, I'm gonna go two nil. I'm gonna say Martinez scores twice. Um, they have to win it. There's no excuse for them not to. Um, I don't care where it's played. Um, without Benzema, they're gonna have to play with um, Vinicius up top and. I don't think Vinicius is very good. Um, all right, Liverpool versus Atlanta. Based on um, just how poor Atlanta have been, I say Liverpool win 4 0. I'm going to say 5 2. They'll score, um, but this Atlanta team doesn't have any gas left, and I think uh, they will crumble. Um, Juventus against uh, I say Juventus um, win. How do you see this game going? 2-1. I'm going to say 2-0. Um, uh, Napoli against Regatta. R- R- uh, what do you think happens? I say Napoli win that one. Three, 3-0. I'll take Napoli in that one, 3-1. Um, Roma versus Cluj, uh, what are you thinking? I say Roma win it 3-1. I'm going to say Roma go four, uh, beat them 4-0. Um, and then Milan uh, get another crack at Lille. Uh, it's top of the group versus second place. Um, Lille basically win the group if they win this game. Um, if Milan win the game, they might win. I mean, it's, it's kind of a toss-up between those two, but uh, how do you, how do you see this going? I say if both teams are at their best and they're able to keep each other at a stand, so I say a draw of at, at least zero zero. I'll say Lilman's two one. I think Milan want to focus on uh, the league. Um, they'll try to win it, but I think they're more more concerned in trying to trying to win Milan a um, a title or at least finish in the top part of the table. Um, so I'm going to say um, um, that they, they end up winning that one. Um, 
to one uh, just because I think Milan are more concerned um, with with that with everything. Um, all right, who is your player of the week this week, and who is your donkey of the week? Player of the week goes to. Can I pick any league, right? Yeah. Erling Holland, player of the week, hands down, four goals, and helped Dortmund come from behind. Definitely top quality throughout. Um, my donkey of the week is the inter defense. All right. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Erling Holland's obviously the answer here. Um, uh, you can say I could, Ronaldo's an acceptable answer because he's it was the best game in the Juve shirt. Uh, but Holland is another uh, monster. Um, I could say Inter. I'm not going to. I could also say um, PSG for collapsing after being two 0 up. Um, I know. Oh, I forgot about that. Damn. <laughs> I know Arsenal. I, I know Ryan is not ha- happy with Arsenal. Um, and apparently Pepe had a bad. Um, uh, red card, and he's done with Pepe, basically. Uh, however, let me read you the statistics of Leeds United in this 0-0 draw, okay? Pass accuracy, 85%. Passes, 610. Possession, 67%. Shots on target, four. Shots total, 25. So, obviously, uh United. Wait, wait, that was Leeds United. They had 25 shots, four on target. Wow. So um, I'm going to say it was a 0 0 draw, but I'm sorry. If, if you have 25 shots, you should be getting no less than four goals. If it was, if it was 25 shots, eight on target, and they have four goals, then they're not a donkey. But you, you can't shoot the ball 25 times and only have four on target. That's that's a, such a low percentage. Um, so uh, that will be that. 